Should we say hello? Oh, we sh- we probably should. Yeah. Hey, pals. Hey, buddies. Hey, pals. Hey, buddies. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Hybel study. study. The only time where the terms God and stoned actually lead to a good time. If you haven't listened before, awesome! We are a couple of former Christians. And what we like to do here is hash out what more realistically could be happening in these Bible stories. And ultimately what these characters might have been experiencing while living through all of this. Because we still know that there are great spiritual takeaways in this big book. But those have been muddled in way too much dogma for 2,000 years now. So... Feel free to get your Bibles out, follow along. Or like in church, just listen and take our word as fact. Her name's Mary, my name's Justin. Now that that's out of the way, what you having today? We're going to start our study by looking to a popular daily devotional Bible study called Experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby, Richard Blackaby, and Claude King. Unit 1, Day 3, Learning to be a Servant of God. So to be a servant of God, you must be moldable and remain in the hand of the master. Many scripture passages describe Jesus as God's servant. He came as a servant to accomplish God's will to redeem humanity. Here's what Paul said about Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 5-8, emphasis added. Emphasis changes a sentence completely. Uh-huh. Why, why is he adding his own emphasis? That is true. Yeah, emphasis and tone. That is everything. Mm-hmm. In his instructions to his disciples about servanthood, Jesus, the Son of Man, described his own role of service this way. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was a verse, Matthew 20. 26 to 28, emphasis added. Oh, let's see. Does this Bible have emphasis on anything? Ooh. No. No emphasis. See, I think that's... Okay, but here's my thing. He's he's adding emphasis not only to the Bible, but to Jesus' words. He's changing Jesus' words. Yeah, well. I think that is actually extra blasphemous. Mm-hmm. To say he knows how to say what the Lord was trying to say better. But then does he really know what Jesus meant by that? If he wasn't even there to hear it, he just knows better. Um, he was touched. I don't know. To to be able to know Jesus's thoughts. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Jesus also identified what our relationship with him should be like. John twenty twenty one. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. Activity 1, based on these scriptures and others you may be familiar with, 
Do you believe you should be God's servant? According to the book, yes. According to myself, absolutely not. Why is that? I am nobody's servant. The only being I answer to is myself. You're like a spiritual badass. (laughs) Don't touch this. Yeah. (laughs) Activity two. Have you ever given your best effort to serve God and felt frustrated when nothing lasting resulted from your work? Is this sounding like a... An infomercial? Yes. Yeah. Thank like you. a cheesy infomercial. <laughs> so, I mean, but have you? I don't know. That one's kind of hard for me because I feel like I honestly never really felt that. I never felt like my efforts were causing like some rift or whatever. I was never frustrated because I never felt like God wasn't holding up his end of the deal or whatever. And so it was just very rationalized. So, I mean, maybe I've been frustrated, but I can't think of a time. It just didn't make sense to me <laughs> to be frustrated, I guess. It seemed counterproductive. I really rationalize the fuck out of everything. And I, I have my whole life because I had to, to make Christianity make sense growing up. <laughs> and that was the only option because I believed it. I mean, I got frustrated in a different way. I didn't know how to talk to people and i'm like well i I don't know how i'm gonna be used at all in this sense like i have i have no skills to give here how am i supposed to do anything that's understandable i think for me i i kind of struggled with that part like i'm really socially awkward i can't talk to people then i realized i do really well when i'm working with partner or a team or whatever because if somebody can carry more of the talking I am a wonderful nurturer and I can jump in a conversation and be great encouragement and emphasize points. <laughs> All the shit. I'm a great hype man, you know? You good? Mm, yeah, that was a really, really good hit. Okay, so number three. What is a servant? Define servant in your own words. So I have to define a servant in my own words? Yeah. This is hard because it can go so many different ways, but I think my overall definition of a servant is a person who is either unpaid or poorly paid or through basic means to live, like food, housing, things like that, to tend to their employer or owner. They are treated as second class. They're not treated as equal. They're not treated as the same like basic human decency there's a really fine line between servant and slavery and that's something that i think is really really important because slavery is so fucked up (laughs) so to have that fine of a line that is scary so did your definition sound something like this a servant is one who finds out what his master wants him to do and then does it um, I don't think that sounds like any of them. Do you have a dictionary? Yeah, I was going to say I can look it up. A person who performs duties for others, especially a person employed in a house on domestic duties or as a personal attendant. Yeah, that's, we were right on. Yup. The world's concept of a servant is that a servant goes to the master and says, Master, what do you want me to do? The master tells him, and the servant goes off by himself and does it. 
Okay, you're going to get fired if you're the servant who's constantly going up to his master and like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You just follow him around or be where he needs you to be and then like he tells you to do this for me. But no, I think it sums it up much easier. Master gives a direct order, otherwise they are on standby. Yes, yes, because that's that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in like that sleep mode and then... God is like, oh, I need you to do this. So he tells us what he needs us to do. We go do the thing and then we are back into sleep mode. So we just got to be ready, be on call, the Holy Spirit to come in. Like, I need you to move to Bermuda. Yeah. (laughs) Drop everything and go. We're like some super secret spies. We are? Yeah. Well, not not like we, we, but like Christians. Oh. I'm, I'm still saying we in that context is this the royal we <laughs> the royal we <laughs> i've just been watching too much archer and i'm all about spies right now and and god's like all right i need you to go do this we're like all right super he secret activates them. go do the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they're power rangers <laughs> you went kim possible i went power rangers how did that sound like power rangers power rangers and kim possible are very similar Really? Mm-hmm. There's a whole I thing. I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers. Me either. I didn't really. I actually don't know why I wasn't allowed to watch that one. Oh, fighting. Mm-hmm. That, that was... I don't know if my mom could use that one. I, I was also the seven-year-old who was sitting watching Desperate Housewives with her. Oh. How far are we now? <laughs> <laughs> so, that is not the biblical concept. Biblical. Biblical. Fuck it, you're going to just get all of them. Concept of being a servant of God. Being a servant of God is different from being a servant of a human master. Everything that we were saying, and even he just said, is not the biblical concept of being a servant of God. Okay. It's like leading you on. It's like, well, pulls the rug out from him and you bam. You're well, take wrong. this. Now I'm, now I'm just going to be like waiting every time. I'm like, okay, okay, where's he going to get me? Where's he going to get me? <laughs> <laughs> being a servant of God is different from being a servant of a human master. Servant of a human master works for his master. God, however, works through his servants. I think with this, just this context, though, I think working through is more a tool that's interesting because he's not yeah i get what you mean he's he's just like i don't need you right now Mm -hmm. so you're just there you're on standby and then oh i need you so you're gonna be my tool do the work Mm -hmm. (laughs) i have another note in here the tool belief is the same across ancient religions humans were made to do the work on earth for the gods what happens to a tool when it won't work anymore it's tossed Ooh. it didn't start with like a concept of an afterlife for mortals mm-hmm. because what was the point and mortals understood it. like yeah this is just what we got we gotta just make this stuff and then enjoy our life and, and that's it yeah i mean there wasn't a need for it i guess right no i guess if people aren't asking those questions a lot but i mean very early like sumerian like afterlife i've always had a take that it was 
literal and not like a metaphor because it's just that when you die you sit in the dark eating dirt dressed as a bird and that's just like like yeah you're just dressed in like funerary wear and they bury you you're eating dirt (laughs) dang i feel like i've heard that somewhere before I don't know if it was on Duncan Trussell's podcast or if it was somewhere else, but I feel like that's something that he would talk about. So God's like Elon Musk. Not Elon Musk. I mean, I guess him too. But why can't I think of his name? Jeff Bezos? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see you stew for a minute. (laughs) That's mean. (laughs) Um, Jeff Bezos. He's got all these little people working for him and he's like, I have billions and billions and billions of dollars and I'm going to go to space and I'm going to give my employees just a little bit of money, just just a little bit so they can survive and get to work. Should we start like a Bezos corner? It's something from another podcast. Like, if you want to talk about Bezos, and you're like, oh, by the way, before we start, Bezos Corner, and then you can take a little fact or whatever, a little rant. Ooh. (laughs) I just need a whole... I I can't do a specific thing, or else I'll have too many of them. Because I'll have to have a bunch of different specific things, so it needs to just be a rant corner. This is actually the same thing that happened in said podcast. It's Hello Internet, and... (laughs) (laughs) Um... He just kept getting more and more corners, so then they have, like, corners corner. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I get it. I get it, because I would do it, and that's what I'm... That's exactly my point. (laughs) I would do it, so I just need a rant corner where it's my little safe space to to rant and be like, did you hear about the fucking government today? (laughs) And I can get it out and be very proud and all done. (laughs) Okay, well, now, it goes into a a new metaphor, which is about the potter and clay. Yes. Yes. I liked this one. Yeah. He needs a metaphor to explain a metaphor. (laughs) Oh, I love it when they do that. Ooh, world's worst ASMR. That's the next best podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for it. I'm going to eat so many foods into a microphone. (laughs) Okay, yeah, potter and clay. My understanding of a servant is depicted by the potter and the clay. See Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him, working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Okay, that last line is very much like a saturday morning cartoon villain thing to say yes it totally was like that that just kind of changes any sort of feeling that you were getting from before Mm -hmm. so this is a metaphor to explain how god is like the potter he works us 
the clay and turns us into this this vessel. And when we're messed up and spoiled, as my translation uses, (laughs) he reworks us and turns that into a new vessel. This is like a nice thing to think about if you are the God in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So then you are the God, the potter, this wheel, and you're you're making this life. You're still like, this is the life you're trying to be in charge of. And even if something like happens, messes up, wasn't even your fault. Something bumped you. I don't know who's bumping God. They better watch out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it messes up and it just is like, oh... He can just smush it down, start over. And I just really like that sentiment. I do too. I like that a lot. From the perspective of you are the god. You are god in this sense. It's like, man, I fucked up. I shouldn't have done this. Or I could have done it differently. But now I'm going to make it into something fucking beautiful that nobody would have ever expected. Yeah. Did you have anything else for that? or? Nope, that was all. Perfect. The clay has to be molded. It has to be responsive to the potter so he can make it into an instrument of his choosing. Now we were just talking about like servants and things. Yeah. And then now it's like, okay, now you need to be the clay. But the clay isn't the servant. The servant is the potter and the clay is more of like a medium or tool. I'm going to, I really like that, that theory. But I'm going to throw out a counter theory. God is the master. The tool is, well, the clay is the tool, you know, whatever. (laughs) But like we are the, we are that. But also the potter wheel is the servant in this situation. It is on standby waiting to be used and fulfilling its purpose. It's doing what it needs to be doing. In that situation, God would still be the master. We are both the servant potter wheel and the tool clay Uh, number two the clay has to remain in the potter's hand when the potter has finished making the instrument of his choosing the instrument has no ability to do what it wants it has to remain in the potter's hand to be effective suppose the potter molds the clay into a cup the cup has to remain in the potter's hand so he can use that cup the way he chooses yeah this is just more standby stuff yeah just put a cup in the cupboard you don't need it just a little more repetition in a different way of wording it yeah but what if you were the one that god just couldn't like get like a little lopsided thing out and so you weren't like really his favorite cup and so like he's the last one you know everything else is in the dishwasher i'll use this one now i suppose where do you think atheists and agnostics come from (laughs) (laughs) well no those are cups he plans to break oh that got dark Wowie. So, let's see. These characteristics are quite different from the world's view of a servant. When you come to God as his servant, he first wants you to allow him to mold and shape you into the instrument of his choosing. Well, actually, I think that that comes back to something that we've been talking about. In order to understand God and spiritual matters in the Bible, you have to have a desire to understand and you have to want to know god so oh my god there's a spider oh 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 no oh please don't come on my mic oh no well um i have no idea i was talking you were talking about something about a change we have to 
have this desire to want to know God and and to understand the Bible and all of those matters, we do have to change. We absolutely have to change because how many people out there are like, fuck God, fuck religion, fuck church, you know, like they want nothing to do with it. In order for them to come to God, they would have to change severely, which is again, changing for God. You have to be molded into what God wants you to be. You don't get to be you. You don't get to have self-expression. You have to be what God wants you to be. I, I don't know if the Christian would have any problem with that, though. I think you're right. And that's what makes me sad. As I'm sitting here saying this and they're like, yeah, exactly. And I'm over here like, you You don't want your own free will. You don't want to live your own life. You don't want to live how you want to live. You want to live by these rules because from this book that we don't even know is fiction or or reality because they're afraid that if they do they're gonna go to hell and they know that okay well if i follow then i'm gonna go to heaven and i can have fun in my next life the fun being just praising god for eternity (laughs) that doesn't sound like fun to me i'd rather have actual fun (laughs) and not be stuck to this narcissistic celestial dictator that's how i feel see did i finish this uh, paragraph I don't know. I think I might have cut you off. Oh, that's fine. Allow him to mold and shape you into the instrument of his choosing. Then he takes your life where he wills and works through it to accomplish his purposes. Just as a cup cannot do anything on its own, you do not have the ability to carry out the Lord's command, except to be where he wants you to be. Activity four. Ooh. We're, we're technically halfway there, but four, five, and six have multiple questions underneath them. So four, uh, answer the following questions about being a servant of God. A, how much can a servant do by himself or herself? That was a revised. Was that from Richard? Yeah. Richard, come him. on. He was seeing you. Richard is sassy. That's all. <laughs> Well, it got confusing with the servant and then like the tool thing. It's like, well, the tool can't do anything. And then if he actually wants the servant definition, then they do have off hours. Did you have anything to add to 4A? Not really. It's Mm -hmm. hard because it's all really repetitive. Yeah. Like he really wants to hammer it home. Yeah. He's like. We're already overthinking it. So it's like now it's like, oh, not again. Yeah. So 4B. When God works through a servant, how much can that servant do? When God works through them, they can do anything No. that God allows them to do. <laughs> okay. No counterpoint? Well, I mean, I can always just go to, of course, with the book, the servant can do anything God tells them to do and allows them to do. That is their capabilities. But I think that anybody can do whatever the fuck they put their mind to. <laughs> except you know we do have this whole capitalistic system that's really fucked a lot of people over so that limits but capitalist corner we really need one of those (laughs) we i have a lot to say about capitalism man but you know it's just you can do anything that you fucking want to because there's so much to the world to the universe to spirituality than the bible and god and jesus and 
Mr. Blackaby and Mr. Blackaby Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, talking to you. There's so much more than these people have to bring to us because it only covers a little bit. It's like the the Bible is like the the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. It's like, oh, just eat from these. This will this is the truth. This is all you need. Four C. What are two things a servant must do to be used by God? They need to trust God. I think that's one of the most important ones. Oh. Trust God to to mold them to do what he wants them to do and not fuck them up you know (laughs) you have like you're putting your not just your life but your entire eternal life your your soul in the hands of this guy so there has to be trust in that you have to like be on standby and there's still like the moldable thing he's already turned you into a tool and is he only going to be using it for that tool then what's the point of like you need to be moldable to a change is it just like the initial change Right. Because if we're still supposed to be moldable and adaptable, like we were saying before, then he wants everyone to be like Swiss Army knives. So then what's the point of having all these these multiple tools? You're right. You don't need them all. Everyone's an all-in-one deal. We we are just like blank clay dolls. And then he's just like, okay, you're this character now. Mm -hmm. Then we have a, a whole backstory. Oh, man. So this is more just like, th- these are story figures. It's just like, okay, I need these here right now, over here. Okay, now I'm going to play with these guys. Yeah, he's got to sims it up. So, after four. To be God's servant, you must be moldable and remain in the hand of the master. So we're not his servant when he's not using us. That's like a Schrodinger's cat type deal. Yeah. We're both a servant and not a servant. Oh, my God. Then the master will use you, the instrument, as he chooses. The servant can do nothing of kingdom value alone, just as Jesus said. The son can do nothing by himself. John five nineteen, And apart from me, you can do nothing. John fifteen five. With God working through a servant, however, he or she can do anything God can do. Wow! <laughs> Unlimited potential. Servanthood requires obedience. Servants must do what they are instructed, but must remember it's God who is accomplishing all the work. Does it say that it's God who's accomplishing all the work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all, all the book. I thought so. I just had to clarify. Oh, yeah. That feels so weird. Again, it, it really comes down to there's a big difference in perspective and morality. Okay, but like, I just feel like I don't know where to start with this paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like all the father stuff that we were talking about before Mm. that's all that stuff so it's like wait wait that doesn't that's out of context it's a similar thing i don't know if it's similar enough okay but i mean you were more right because yeah now he's saying like that the servant can do anything that god can do anything that god allows him to do live up to that potential and it's not even that god allows him to do it's when god allows them to do because timing is a, is important to god it's all in god's timing after all all i'm thinking is like hedge mage mage hedge mage <laughs> <laughs> a hedge maze okay the person who designed it is not the one like going and like cutting it out he's like sending all those people he's just like watching overhead yeah yeah so but i mean they're not going to get credit for that right they didn't design it 
That's an excellent example. I really like that. Because you're right, he was, he's the one who gets all the credit, but he's not the one putting in all the work and doing all of the things. And I like that it's a maze because then it's like, we really have no idea. We're just like kind of going and cutting and then it's like, okay, now turn back. What? Yeah. yeah. So if you have been working from the human approach to being a servant, this concept should change your approach to serving God. You do not get your orders and then go out to accomplish them on your own. I don't know why, like, we needed that extra metaphor then, especially when it was, like, not a, like, it's like, here's a metaphor, but you're not that, you're this. You're, you're this other metaphor. Mm-hmm. I agree. It, it kind of felt overdone and very used. It padded out a lesson that already does not need to be padded out. Yeah. Okay, let's see. You relate to God, respond to him, and adjust your life to him so that from your relationship with him, he does what he wants to do through your life. Let's look at how God worked through his servant, Elijah. Ooh. When Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, a Canaanite fertility idol, to prove once and for all whose God was the true God, he took a big risk at God's servant. So, activity five. You're gonna... Read First Kings 18, 15 to 39. Wow. <laughs> and then answer some questions. Yeah, and it's weird because verse 15 starts like within the end of a different paragraph. Yes. That was my other reason for questioning it. So, and Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the balls. I'm sorry if I'm immature <laughs> no i thought it was funny too <laughs> i didn't realize ahab was a bible name it is yeah and he does not like elijah i know he does not <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> and then elijah didn't but, take that shit he was like uh no but you and your dad and your dad's house all you did <laughs> because you abandoned what god said you followed this this cheap fake knockoff god named ball why would you follow a god named ball (laughs) now therefore send and gather all israel to meet me at mount carmel and the 450 prophets of ball and the 400 prophets of asherah who eat at jezebel's table oh shit we're getting into some jezebel stuff huh um jezebel is ahab's wife Oh shit! So now I yeah. I want to know what kind of throwdown that is for back then. What does eat at your wife's table mean? They're all taken care of by them. Uh, sexual innuendo. Yeah, like, I was gonna say Jezebel was pretty um known for her scandalous side, right? So I really don't remember Jezebel at all in the Bible. Oh, Jezebel was a bad lady. She was. Too sexy. Too sexy for God. Too sexy for God. I can't do this. 
Okay, so yeah, we have Ball, which, you know, as churchgoers, it's like you feel like, oh, we know them because they're always the bad guys. But, you know, the Bible doesn't really talk much about them. But um, in, in Hebrew, um, Ball means Lord. Yeah. So, like, who's to say it wasn't the same God? They just have a different name. Isn't that something that Christianity prides itself a lot in, is the many names of God? It really is, and a lot of the names are not the same. (laughs) They're just absorbed. You get, like, Yahweh, and that makes sense. It feels like it's up there with Yahweh. Yahweh and Baal and all those goodies. (laughs) I'm a a bad former Christian. I can't remember the other names similar to that. All I can think of is king of kings we're going to continue on verse 20 so ahab sent to all the people of israel and gathered the prophets together at mount carmel and elijah came near to all the people and said how long will you go limping between two different opinions if the lord is god follow him but if baal then follow him and the people did not answer him a word then elijah said to the people i even i only and left the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Dang. Okay, he's got to play. Like like a hard play, just like, you know, your God's so weak that he needs 450 priests, but my God's so strong that he only needs me. He can take care of all of us. Yeah. Like, so, 23. Uh, let two bulls be given to us. And let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. Put no fire to it, and I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, It is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourself one bowl and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bowl that was given them, and they prepared it, called upon the name of Baal, from the morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made, and at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, cut themselves after the custom with swords and lances, until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, oblation? A thing presented or offered to God or a God. Hmm. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. (laughs) Okay, I just gotta say it though. Elijah's kind of a dick. I mean, he sounds like every person that I dislike in Christianity today. He's just like, oh, you didn't get the answer that I expected from your God. (laughs) Ha ha, you fool. What a loser. You disgrace. Clearly my God's superior to yours, and therefore I'm superior to you. Like, that is 100% what I'm seeing out of this. Like, man, your God doesn't give a fuck. 
he's either not real or he's ignoring the shit out of you. He's pissing. He's sleeping. He doesn't give a fuck. The little note my, my Bible has for that says, after, after several hours, Elijah begins to taunt the prophets of Baal with some disrespectful suggestions as to why they're receiving no answer. I think it's interesting that my Bible calls that out as disrespectful. I mean, he really was. He was, 100%. It could be like a false god, but if Baal in Hebrew is just Lord, then is it like they're worshiping the wrong god or the wrong way? That's what I'm confused about, but it also talks about the other god, Asherah. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the meaning of that one. I haven't looked that one up. Um, That one was the mother goddess. Oh, yes. This one claims that she is the wife of God. So I'm going with it. Okay, so that goes into the theory that the Christian God is part of this pantheon. This pantheon involves him, um, another male God, and then a goddess who is referred to as the Queen of Heaven. Um, she has a couple other names she's in that are referred to her as. Um, I cannot I don't I don't know a ton of the information about the other god because I was pretty excited about the fact that there was a whole goddess in this pantheon that's like that the Christian well, god is a part of. That fucking blew my mind. This is kind of saying that right now because Yeah. The Pantheon is just the local areas of like, these are the gods they worship, but they still do business together. So then it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah, your God's cool. And so is our God, whatever. We want to get along. But then sometimes, you know, they don't get along. They're like, oh, no, my God has told me that we need to strike down your God. Mm-hmm. So this is that that Pantheon. So we haven't heard about uh, the, the Asherah prophets yet. Just like he let Baal do it. Mm-hmm. He's like. So he just had a problem with them specifically because he could have, you know, at some point cut them out and also stalled with the Shira. But he's like, I don't want anything to happen to them. Like, I got to deal with them or something. Right. So there you go. There's there's some conspiracy up in here. Like, Oh, totally. Okay. Part of the, the theory that I was reading is that in most mythology and old religions you'll notice that each of the gods is for a different thing none of the gods are actually like this whole omnipotent like all around god they like hades is the god of the underworld and loki is the god of mischief and you know like things like that so this theory is saying that the christian god is the god of jealousy and I find that so fascinating and accurate. That would make the most sense. But why would, while well, you were saying that up to that point, like, it's like, okay, well, he's known as the one true God, the one true God. Like, what kind of aspect or thing is, is could that mean? And then you're like, God of jealousy. And it's like, oh, that kind of fits. It does. But it's calling yourself the one true. Like, yeah. Don't believe the other ones. That's what this theory says, is that he was jealous of the other gods and the worship that they got. So he basically took over heaven and he became the one true God. So they don't know he's the God of jealousy. They just know him as the one true God because they don't hear from the others anymore. 
fun. Whoa. Okay, hold the phone. What? Do you know the god Balt? No. Okay. I think he popped up in, I want to say, Greek mythology. But he is Baal. He is Baal. Hmm. And Ashira is the one who gave him his name, Balt. Because Baal took the place of El. I don't know who that is right now. Um, as El is God. Oh! El is a translation. That is God's name. Okay, okay, okay. So this is... We're, okay. This is Syrian and Palestinian beliefs. Ashira and Baal are often... Or are, are frequently paired together. Baal, who often took the place of El... As Baal's consort, Ashira was usually given the name, oh, was usually given the name Balt. Oh, so. So Ashira was the one that was Balt. That's interesting. Let's see, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. <laughs> and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Oh, I gotta fix this first. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two says of seed. Let's see what a say is. It was about seven quarts, or 7.3 liters. Dang. It's a decent amount. Okay, so the altar, how big is this altar? They're, they're sacrificing a whole cow. Well, then the trench isn't that deep. I'm trying to imagine seven quarts. It's like two, less than two gallons of milk. Let's see. Yeah, he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it out on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know you, O Lord, our God. <laughs> o Lord, not our, but our God, you are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. He said quite a bit to get God's attention. So that's he was probably saying more than that, and that was condensed down. Okay, exactly. He was stalling because mm -hmm. he was waiting for lightning to strike it, because while he was setting everything up, he knew that there was a storm coming, and he had figured out that metal attracted lightning and he was just waiting. That's why he went second because he's like, none of this stuff is real. Like, I just know how to make lightning happen. 
Right. Like he already doesn't believe in God anymore, but he has to speak as he does so that he can control the people into thinking what he wants them to think. I like that theory. I think that's an interesting I mean, that's theory. that's really a God believing like unless the only other way is like he's like, Yeah, I got this gift from God. I know that when it rains, I I can do this and I can summon lightning probably. <laughs> yeah. I can like, summon that's it. the only like He's either done with God or he's extremely egotistical. Right. Like those are the only two options of how this could happen. And I will not consider anything else. (laughs) No, I completely agree with you. I also think he's completely egotistical. All of these people in the Bible sound so egotistical to me now. Like they're all just very self-centered and they're rude and judgmental. And that makes me kind of sad. Because I'm like, damn, I remember reading these stories and getting so much from them. And now I'm I'm thankful that I don't get those same meanings from them because I am not the person I was then. And I am a much better person now. No. I have far better morals now that I'm not a Christian. Yeah. And it's like just being able to read the kind of people that people are by what they did or said. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I think that's a very nice skill to have evolved. Yeah. So that was the end of what he wanted us to read. But that's not the end of the story. So, you know, here, get in the good part. But it's like, what is the good part of this story so far? Yeah. Someone trying to trick a bunch of people so that he can be in charge. Yeah, not a fan. And then, so I don't don't know. Let's see. I'm going to remember what the purpose, um, how God worked through a servant. (laughs) Well, I am not seeing any way God has worked through him at all. I'm going to finish this story. Yes. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of all. Let not one of them escape. Yeah. So who exactly is seizing? Who all has Elijah brought with him? I thought he was alone. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was he's alone. So who is he? Is it, you know, the prophets of Asherah? Is it the citizens? Um, it would make sense for to says, me for it to be the prophets of Asherah. Yeah. It just says, and they seized them. And Elisha brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them. Yikes. So this was a forceful takeover. He planned this. 450 of them. And that is a crazy man to be like upholding and be like, yeah, like he's a man of God. It's like that man just tricked a bunch of people to gain a city and then mercilessly killed people that he tricked out of their city. Yep. That is what he did. But he is a great servant of God. um, I want to hold on and check this. And Elijah brought them down to the broken call and slew them there. So I think that's why. Yeah, it was a little bit different. Slew is going, it's more of like a, you have intent. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still not a great thing. He's he's being precise, you know, just cut each neck, going down like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure that this is done right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas slaughtered is more like, you know. It's more of a chaotic yeah. action rather than a targeted intentful action. Yeah, no, exactly. Like like what wherever these cuts are going you will die eventually yeah slew is more like i'm gonna come slice all of your necks open or stab your hearts either way those aren't 
great things no. to be praising someone about. Yeah. And that is the actual context of these stories. I don't get when people are like, you know, you're not doing it right or not seeing this. Like, we say it's hard, but it's like it, you actually just think about it more and think about it like as in these are people and not just fantastic stories when miracles happen. Right. Exactly. Like these are real people. Think about it like you're like it's a movie or something. Like, yeah. Add in all the tropes like you can kind of get that or you actually just think about it more and think about it like as in these are people and not just fantastic stories when miracles happen. Right. Exactly. This isn't a good story. This is like a warning story. Right. This is what you read that is like, hey, steer clear of these people. You don't want to be associated with them. They'll kill you for no reason. So my friend Michael, his go-to thing, and I believe I've tried to talk him out of it before, is always like, he tries to bring up um, Abraham and Isaac's story. Oh, okay. He'd be like, you're okay with it? Like, you worship a blood god. You worship, like, they're okay with that? And it's like, all within the Bible, this is what they've grown up hearing as a child. Like, mm-hmm. they don't care. They're the people that are very much like, yeah, I can't wait for the day I can kill for my god. Yeah, they have a brainwashed thinking and mindset of it. It's super mm-hmm. fucked. <laughs> because that's what a lot of the stories, especially around the Old Testament, is just like, and then look at how I killed these people for my God. Yep. And then I brutally slaughtered this town. And then I lit this town on fire. Mm-hmm. It's not good propaganda to be reading. <laughs> right. It's like, let's commit genocide in the name of our God. Because fuck you for not believing in him. I was going to say the Old Testament is like warnings of people you should not be. And then the New Testament is like, so maybe you should try thinking about things this way. Yeah. Instead of killing and slaughtering. I like that. Let's just go to the desert and get fucked up on some shrooms or ayahuasca and 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 really dig down to who we are as people and realize how our actions yeah. affect others. I'm, I'm so here for that. It is very much a don't be being this blood god anymore i'm taking over the work now we're gonna have a better life yeah okay and that's that's an aspect i can get behind right there but oh my gosh we still have not finished this uh, and elijah said to ahab sorry that was, was verse 41 uh go up eat and drink for there is wait why is ahab still alive for there is a sound of the rushing of rain see I, he knew there was gonna storm <laughs> Yes. Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He was trying to stay low so lightning wouldn't hit him. Maybe he had a bloody nose. And, <laughs> and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. <laughs> Just stalling. Just keep going, looking, going, looking, going, looking. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. (laughs) And he's just like, There should be a storm coming. Please keep keep checking. It's any time. Come on, come on. It'll be there, I swear. I gotta be here to get to the other place. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Jezreel. Huh. 
Uh, my Bible says um, that's where he had a palace. So it's a place. Oh. And where oh, Jezebel was staying. Okay. Oh. He's like, I'm going to get back to my wife before this storm hits in <laughs> too hard. Ahab rode down to his city, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So Elijah had a different way down the mountain that he could beat him. Dang. Or he gets super speed. <laughs> so, uh, 5A. Elijah was God's servant. How many false prophets did he face at Mount Carmel? 850. See, he conveniently didn't do anything with the prophets of Asherah. He was just claiming that Baal was false prophets. So 450. Yeah, I guess. If he was already, you know, an enemy to the Baal prophets, he's not going to invite himself up there with 451 people that he knows hates him. Like, right. And then plus another 400 that hate him. He, Those are his friends that he's taking his backup or his mercenaries or something. Yeah, totally. That's my argument on that. Fair. You can go with what you got. I'm saying 850. So, are you trying to get it right? Or are you trying to get it right? I'm trying to get it right, bitch. <laughs> you need the credit, huh? I'm here you're to gonna, get shit gonna... right and get shit done. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna be a pastor when we're done with this. <laughs> and I'm gonna teach on the, the teachings of Jesus. And we're all gonna get stoned every Sunday in, in service. It's gonna be great. 5B. What test did Elijah propose to prove whose God was the one true God? Sacrifice a bull. Yeah. There is a big emphasis on, like, the God who strikes fire. The God who creates fire is the true God. So I think that was another stipulation of that. Uh, 5C. What did Elijah do to the altar of the Lord? He prepared it, right? Yeah. He, uh, he prepared it. And then 5D. At whose initiative did Elijah offer this challenge? And I want to go back to see. It's probably the Lord, but... Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. The Lord, God, because he was working as God's servant. Honestly, I think it's supposed to be God, but it's more like his own initiative within these verses. Because Elijah says, like, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will show myself to him today. Oh, he's not showing himself to God. He's showing himself to Ahab. So God is the Lord of hosts. What would that mean to them? Is it a mistranslate? I honestly have no idea. Is he a party God? <laughs> Maybe. Like, what What does Lord of hosts mean? Like, I'm looking it up. I don't think that's gone into very much. But, I mean, that is a normal thing that's said. That's a translation of the Hebrew word... I, I, I don't know how to pronounce this correctly, but Sabaoth, S-A-B-A-O-T-H, meaning armies. And it's in reference to angelic armies of heaven. So this is like Lord of he angelic armies. He is a blood armies. god. He is a god of war. Yeah, absolutely. He's a god of jealousy and war and blood and narcissism. And he is he is like the typical, you know anti-paladin like this is my god of war he's gonna see me today he's gonna notice me 
I'm gonna yeah. kill all these people for him. Dude, dead ass. Elijah is is straight up a dark paladin. So he exactly is. <gasps> um, so we're going back to he either doesn't believe in gods or you know he's wacko. So he he does believe in gods. He is a wacko at this point, and he does think that his discovery of metal bringing lightning is a gift from his god of war and destruction. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can go on that more, but we have to finish these things. This yeah. actual you know lesson. Absolutely. So okay, so five e. What did he intend to prove through this experience? Uh, his God was right. Yes, his God was right in the the only correct God. Okay, 5F. How did the people respond? Uh, they in fear bowed and prayed? Yep, they were like, well, our God's not going to save us right now, and this guy's going to kill us, so we're just going to keep praying. 5G. What was God's work in this event? So if we go from God is real then his work is nothing in the beginning because oh wait we should i that's what i wanted to do i wanted to go back and see a little more context of why elijah was doing that hold on oh verse one after many days the word of the lord came to elijah in the third year saying go show yourself to ahab and i will send rain upon the earth (laughs) It, it doesn't necessarily have to be like god whispering and talking to him it's just you know he was charting things. He had working with like an atlas. Is it an atlas? An almanac. Yeah, it's an almanac. Yes, He's kind of like trying to craft one of those. And he's like, yeah, it should rain about here. Like, this is what the gods have like guided my research to find. Right. So uh, what was God's work in this event? If there is a real God, he just kind of showed up. Yeah, he, he uh... you know, was just waiting around, did nothing. Until he got, oh, if he's a blood god, Elijah was tricky and got extra blood because he got them all to cut them open. And like, haha, look, I'm giving my god all this blood already. Yeah, and that and was Old like Testament trying to get too. his attention. So back when the yeah. blood sacrifices were a real thing. So he was doing that for his god. And then he's like, okay, hopefully he'll notice me. I'm getting his attention. Okay, yep, the storm's coming. Right, right. I can do this thing with the metal and... <laughs> And then I'll be able to slay them all. Yeah. And God will love me for it. And he'll award me with this city, which he awarded himself with the city because he killed his enemy. Yep. He just was like, I'm going to slaughter you guys. And this is mine now. Yeah. No takesies, backsies. So what was Elijah's work in this event? He did a fuck ton. He put the fear of God in those people and then slaughtered them. Yeah. Or slew so them. So let's see the wrap up for that. Elijah was outnumbered 850 to 1. <laughs> so he is including the other ones that, you know, he never forced them to prove themselves because he liked them. If God had not displayed his power by coming and fire and consuming the sacrifice and altar, as Elijah had proposed, Elijah would have utterly failed. That would have cost him his life. <laughs> yeah, that, that was sure would suck. We'd have a very different story if that happened. Yeah. Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. He had to stay with God and do everything God commanded him to do. Okay, so he had to make sure that the masonry was correct. He was acting in obedience to God's command, not his own initiative. He went where God guided him, what God told him, and did what God instructed him. Then God accomplished his purposes through him. God wanted the people to identify the Lord as the true God 
If God worked through his prophet Elijah, that is exactly how the people responded. What the fuck is he taking out of this story? Like, seriously. I don't like, know. God did nothing, but just he just had a muse that it's looking like it's going to rain around here. Could just mean God's like, bring an umbrella. Right. <laughs> He's going through a lot of uh, mental gymnastics to get there. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. And just like going back to those questions for five, it's like, what kind of surface level bullshit is that? Like, how many people was he against? Right. What did they do? <laughs> like, no, like. This is, he's not getting it. This is getting me all worked up, like, back in the forward, or the beginning, whatever. But, like, they were all about, don't worry about the numbers, but worry about the numbers. But don't worry about the numbers, but worry about the numbers. (laughs) Like, what the heck, guys? (laughs) What are you trying to do? Do I worry about it or not? I don't know. Uh, So, did Elijah or God bring down the fire from heaven? God did. Well, yeah, technically, you know, the storm itself brought the lightning. He just kind of coaxed it a little more. Yeah. What was Elijah doing? Being obedient. I don't know how he's being obedient. All God told him in that story was, it's going to rain. You should go meet Ahab. Yeah, it's going to go rain. Meet the dude. It could have been like, what if he severely... Oh, no. I mean, he's the god of war. So, I mean, he's only meeting, you know, go here, meet with him. That means kill. It's not going to mean like, go here, meet with him, have a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Work it out. God of jealousy and war. I mean, that's the one you'd want to call on when you're taking things over. Yeah. Elijah had no ability to perform the miraculous when God did something only he could do. All the people knew he was the true God. God convinced people of his powerful presence through his obedient servant. Yeah, see? This is my God. Fear my God. He's the true God, so if you don't fear him, he will kill you with lightning. See what he can do. Yep. He will smite you down. Yeah, this he's exactly a dark paladin. Damn, I like that. I need to do that in D&D, the Elijah. Do thunder Ooh, stuff. I yeah, like that. Great. No, so six, as your study time permits, read the following questions. Okay, I thought all of these things were important to do in the order and only included because they are important. Now, activity six doesn't matter. This is already a long enough lesson. Right. It's like, like, we um, don't need to pad this out. Yeah. Like, you're already there. Just fucking do it. (laughs) Try to answer each one before moving to the next one. You may want to jot down some notes on the response lines. A, what will be the difference between the quality of service and the quantity of lasting results when God is working and when you are working? This seems like two different things to be comparing right there, though. That does feel like two different things to compare. Um, So when God is in charge, it's top-notch, best quality, 10 out of 10, bro. But you can do nothing on your own accord. And then we can't get lasting results if we only work ourselves. Right. Okay. That could be a deeper question there. So yes, you do have to look outside of yourself (laughs) when you're trying to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. The quality of service will be better if you look outside yourself. I don't think he was going there with that. Yeah. So 6B, what are you doing in your life personally and in your church that you know cannot be accomplished unless God intervenes? So what am I doing for the community is what I'm hearing? Yeah. I don't think I'm doing anything specific. I'm not like doing any community service, but I am putting out a lot of good information about cannabis to a lot of people who know nothing about it and use it. And I think that that is fantastic for the community. 
because it builds a community that understands what they're putting into their body and how to do it best for themselves to better themselves. <laughs> and I think that that is a great thing for our community. I mean, you are also, you know, promoting a deeper dive into the Bible. Absolutely. I'm promoting people um, asking questions and looking for those answers themselves and hearing other perspectives because you can't make a true sound decision on your eternal soul from only one source. Come on, guys. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I got an amen and I didn't even have to ask for one. <laughs> 6D. <laughs> Why do you think we often experience meager lasting fruit from our efforts? What does this have to do with talking about Elijah? I don't know, man. What does Elijah have to do with talking about being a tool and a servant and everything? Yeah, I don't really get that either. Because when I think of something like that, like, and exactly how they've explained a servant up to now, it's somebody who does what they're directed to do. He wasn't directed to do anything here. He just did it and then God showed up or the lightning mm -hmm. showed up, you know? <laughs> He wasn't told to do anything. He wasn't acting on an order. Mm-hmm. He just got vague information. Yeah. That wasn't even in the part he told us to read. Exactly. Like, the heck are you doing? The heck, man. So, I mean, I actually don't feel like I've experienced meager lasting fruit from my own efforts. I feel like that's when I'm feeling the best with myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm not doing anything, if I'm just on standby, then it's like, those aren't good times in my life. I that's completely those, agree. Depression's hitting hard. Yeah, that's when I don't feel like a person. It's when I'm on robot uh -huh. mode and I just do what I have to do to function and survive. But, uh, you know, as we're going to get into right now, that's exactly what you got to do. Don't just do something. Stand there. Yeah. We are a doing people. We always want to be doing something. Every now and then someone will exclaim, don't just stand there, do something. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a Christian thing. Because my mom used to say that to me all the time. Well, he's saying not to say that thing. He's saying, you know, don't just do something, stand there. <laughs> so oh. <we> first, <laughs> next time your child wants to do busy work, you could be like, well, that's against my religion. You Sorry. Sorry, I'm not allowed to do busy work. My religion says no. I have to stand here. I have to. Let's see. In contrast, I think God is crying out to us. Don't just do something. Stand there. Enter a love relationship with me. Get to know me. Adjust your life to me. Let me love you and reveal myself through you to a watching world. Did he not get how creepy that sounded when he was writing it? Gosh yeah like it started with just you know the stand there it's like okay yeah just be the tool so i can do my story and then it's like change your whole life for me and let me love you and i can do this for you yeah, yeah and everyone's gonna see just do all these things for me and change exactly everything about yourself and then i'll maybe do mm -hmm. something nice for you maybe but technically, it's they're they're still marketing off like the thing that you kind of have to do anyways to become a better person is where you do just have to kind of adjust your life. Yeah, you do, but that should be <clears throat> for you. Yeah, when you feel like this isn't right anymore, this isn't like a thing that should do. Then it's like okay, then you can you're gonna have to adjust that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not adjust it because there's a man in the sky that is forcing you to adjust it. Not everyone's going to adjust the same way. Right. And I'm not adjusting my life to Sky Daddy's rules and guidelines. <laughs> I'm adjusting it to my life and my expectations for myself of who I want to be and what I want to be, not anybody else's ideas and expectations for myself. That's my mm -hmm. my biggest thing with Christianity is I don't get to set my expectations for myself. They're already set for me and I don't agree with them. Yeah. I, I'm going to bring it back to um, the same example that I used for my mom. I would not be okay with a friend or a partner um, requiring me to change who I was and to change my actions without explanation of why, aside from to worship me. That would turn me off from that person so far. We would not be friends. We would not be partners. I don't want that person in my life. Why would I allow it just because it's God, I think that's bullshit. Just because he made you. Yeah, yeah. Same example I used for my mom. You, you brought me here, but I, just because you brought me here doesn't mean we have to be friends or have any kind of relationship, you know? And same with God. You, you are a toxic narcissist. You hurt and you literally created hurt. You created all types of harm. <laughs> so that was Adam and Eve's fault. Okay, but you know They unleashed what? the hurt. He still created it. I don't believe that there is a, a god or a creator, but even if there was, if the, the god from the Bible came in front of me today, I would still deny him because I will not and refuse to worship and follow a narcissist, someone who's so toxic and literally created an entire world and universe and species just to boost his ego how fucked up i say as i like to play sims over here you know <laughs> it's a little different but how's it any different if we were just like little tiny human computers the difference is he created us to have feelings and understand those feelings i mean really good ai like sims they don't they have the little emojis above their heads about what's happening to them what do they say as you murder them they speak fire? they speak a, a fake language that i don't know Really? i didn't create the world i thought they'd have like little skulls or, or like a baby or like they, they do have little images like sometimes that. yeah okay but they they can't have an understanding of potential creators we have free will i can turn off free will well maybe just because sims doesn't like who knows if someone else can like they have that they can give them the reactions of like feelings yeah but we were i was using sims in the example so that's why because that was what you were questioning i know and i'm just saying just a very oh, advanced just, sims i mean i'm sure that exists that would be dumb if it didn't exist. That has to exist. It's probably not a game. It's probably fucked up AI. Probably us. <laughs> You're right. I know lots of theories about that. That's what I need another corner for. My conspiracy theories. <laughs> conspiracy corner. Yes. So then it goes into a time will come when doing will be called for. But we cannot skip the relationship. The relationship with God must come first. The relationship is just stand there and wait for him to use you when he needs you. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the vine. 
you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Do you believe him? Without him, you can do nothing. He means that. <laughs> now that's a threat. <laughs> For sure. So, activity seven. Ooh, I didn't Turn to the that. diagram inside the back cover. Read again all seven realities listed there. Personalize the last seventh <laughs> <laughs> reality and write it below using I and me instead of you. Wow, we're just padding things out again. What I is the point of so. this? To make you feel good. So number seven, I come to know God by experience as I obey him and he accomplishes his work through me. Again, I'm still thrown off from the last Elijah story. That was the end of the lesson and it had nothing to do with him obeying God and him working through him. Yeah. God wants you to come to a greater knowledge of him by experience. He wants to develop a growing, deepening love relationship with you. He wants to involve you in his kingdom purposes. He wants to accomplish his will through you. Do you want to be a servant of God? Find out what is on the master's heart. Discover where the master is working. That is where you need to be. Find out what the master is doing. That is what you need to do. Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. John twelve twenty six. So then we're back to being a servant and having to ask, what do I need to do? Right. really shouldn't be asking that. <laughs> yeah, no, because we're supposed to be on standby and wait for him to tell us what to do. Which is the exact definition of the servant that, you know, we said was right. He just misdefined it and it's like, haha, you're, if you thought that, then you're wrong. But then you made us think that, so then we're wrong. And now it's like, what even was happening in this lesson anymore? You make no sense. You're so contradictory. Okay, let's see. Uh, eight. Practice quoting your scripture memory verse aloud and or write it on a separate sheet of paper. What? We didn't need the last few activities. What is this? This has nothing. It's just. It's the basic stuff. It didn't need stuff. to be long. Do you remember? No, I don't remember what it is. Oh, we, we said it today, not too long ago. Shoot. I just don't remember what it is. It's your favorite it. one. Is it the branch and the vines? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know it. <laughs> I already looked at it, so it's unfair for me. Oh. But I remember last time we did this, you aced it. Did I? I am yeah. the branch. You are the vines. That's all I remember. He is the vine and we are the branches. <laughs> yeah. I'm too high for that tonight. I don't remember it. <laughs> good thing we're we're like done here. We did a good job. Yeah. And let's see the summary statements. To be a servant of God, I must be moldable and remain in the master's hand. Okay, yeah, we talked about that with the clay stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. be flexible. Apart from God, I can do nothing. Okay, once the clay is hardened. God can do anything through me. It depends on what kind of tool he makes you into, right? Yeah, like if he turns you into a hammer, you're not screwing shit in. But if he turns you into a screwdriver, he could use the back of you as a hammer, you know? <laughs> When I find out where the master is working, then I'll know that is where I need to be. <laughs> okay, just find some. It's it's just this mentality. I feel like you gotta work for someone. Like I gotta find someone who could tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Like that's what they're trying to get across, which is very good for leading people. Yeah. You want people to think this way. I 
come to know God by experience as I obey him, and he accomplishes his work through me. Well, okay. Um, so, yeah. What was the most meaningful statement or scripture you read today? I always have really liked the potter and the clay analogy. I think that that's a very good visualization for me. But I think the most meaningful part of our discussion that we've had through this day is um, honestly in in First Kings eighteen fifteen through thirty nine, just the discussions that we had about Baal and um, Asherah and all the connections with that. I think that was really interesting to see that in the Bible. Oh yeah, no, my my most meaningful thing was just like God is referred to as a god of war inside the Bible. Yeah. Well, even more than that, it's like more than just a god of war. Um this specifically refers to angelic armies. So this is like a celestial war, a spiritual war. He's like ready to throw down with all the other gods and spirits. So he, if you are an enemy to him, he will not only kill you, he will kill your soul and you're not allowed to go into heaven. Oh, shit. I mean, I don't know, I guess. If you're an enemy of yeah. him, I guess, yeah, you're going to Holy hell. crap, yes. That's actually, that lines up with, that lines up with the early stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it does. He punishes Accept those. me, follow me, be, be a soldier for me, and you won't die again. Like, you will go to heaven. Yeah. You get to live with me in eternity forever. You get to go to the afterlife. You don't have to be punished for fighting against me. But you know I'm a god of jealousy, so therefore I'm narcissistic. And uh, if you go yeah. against me, I'm going to fuck you up and you're going to burn in the no. hell fire pits. Fire pits okay. of hell forever. I'm having a very distinct memory of a pastor saying before that God is a jealous God because he doesn't want you to go away to the devil. He really wants you to because you're his creation. Like, Absolutely. So they do get to, they see that it's a jealous God, but then it gets reframed and then they get taught it as like this sympathetic thing. Like, why can't you just, I want to take care of you. But that's not what it was back then because we're talking about a story where he just killed all the guards of a town. Right. Exactly. That's that's a big teaching about god is that he is a jealous god and that is something that has always bothered me always so normally we'd be done with this right now but we have a story down here oh Uh, this story is called disbanding church revitalized a church in an inner city had suffered years of decline as its neighborhood transitioned and church members moved to the suburbs when only a remnant was left they concluded they should disband their church. As a final activity, the members decided to study experiencing God. At the conclusion of the study, they would close the church doors for the last time. At the beginning of the course, the people learned that God is always at work around them. They chuckled at the thought, since nothing usually happened in their church for years. Nevertheless, they decided to watch during the week to see where God might be working. Well, that week, an apartment manager approached a church member and asked if her church could do anything about all the kids in the apartment block with nothing to do. He offered the free use of the apartment's common room if the church would provide activities. 
the church decided to offer a children's program during the final few months of its existence. This soon brought several unwed mothers to their attention. <laughs> then some drug addicts were attracted to the church, as well as some gang members. Look Wowie. at the ones we're getting in. <laughs> we're wow. converting these guys. We got all the bad. Before this. <laughs> yeah. Gotta catch them all, heretics. <laughs> I like it. Oh my gosh, I want to make a Pokedex for that. The drug dealer, oh, the be... hooker. <laughs> Just start getting working on that. Let's see. Before this little group of people realized what was happening, they had launched several new ministries and were seeing people come to faith in Christ almost every week. <laughs> At the close of the 13-week study, instead of disbanding, the church, now revitalized, began to minister powerfully to its community. Rather than remaining discouraged, the people realized they were in the center of God's activity. He had been working in their community all along. So they still had to close the church, but they just continued with the ministries that they already set up. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it was meaning more like they still work together and meet together to help the community. And like do the children's events and things like that. But they are no longer a church because they can't afford that building space. <laughs> More proof that you don't really even need to go to church. Yup. Church isn't part of Christianity. That's not at all. Really isn't. I think community is an important part of Christianity, but I don't think the church is necessarily. Because you can have a group of Christians that meet together and do good in the community and talk about and worship and study the Bible together. And that's still like, I think, what God really calls people to do i think that's a great note to end on well it's been real guys see you pals catch you later hey buddies mary here if today's episode sparked something for you or you have questions for us send us an email at the high priest bible study at gmail.com you can stay up to date on new episodes and merch releases through Instagram, or check us out on Facebook if that's more your style, at The Hybel Study. That's at the H-I-G-H-B-L-E Study. Just to keep you on your toes, find us on Twitter at The Hybel Study. That's spelled the H-I-B-L-E Study. Check out our subreddit, r slash The High Priest, for references to some things that we've talked about in various episodes, as well as some memes. We also have a threadless shop shop.thehighpriest.show. There's almost always new merch popping up there, so be sure to check back regularly. Or, if you want to just make it all that much more simple, all of these links are on our website, thehighpriest.show. Every link I've already mentioned, as well as some different platforms that you can listen to the show on. Rate us and leave us a review, we'd love to hear your feedback, and don't forget to subscribe so that you get notified of new episodes directly from the platform that you listen on. Besides, it's that much easier to share with your friends when it's at the top. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you, and I'll catch you in the next episode.